everybody, Josh Sigurdsson of World Alternative Media here, and we are joined once again by Dr. Kirk Elliott, uh, two-time PhD and author of many books. Of course, as I've said many times before when we've had him on our show, my friends, we have a link in the description if you want to buy gold and silver, if you want to keep physical gold and silver, and there's a whole bunch of other resources there. That's kirkelliottphd.com slash wham. It is in the description. You get a whole bunch of free special reports with that, so I urge people to check that out. Out. First of all, Dr. Elliot, how are you doing today? I'm busy. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I mean, literally, I've been doing this for 29 years, mm-hmm. and I have never seen a flurry of activity like we've seen over the last couple of months. But really, over the last four days, it, it's un- unbelievable. But but we're, we happen to be living in the generation where I, our world reserve currency status goes away. Right? Yeah, we, we're seeing... We've never seen anything like that. We are definitely seeing uh, what seems to be a control collapse of an empire from everything that we're being hit with, from the sanctions, the World War III kind of scenario, the uh, collapse of the U.S. dollar, the move into BRICS as a world reserve currency. Mexico just announced that they're considering joining BRICS, which puts um, you know complete opposition on the border of the United States. Things are getting crazy. And then Donald Trump was arrested um, and, and has 34 felony counts. It just... It, the the absurdity is building up and we're seeing the end of an empire without a doubt, sir. And I wanted to get into a few news stories with you today. And the first one would be uh, Jamie Dimon. It's, this is out of CNBC. It says, Jamie Dimon says the banking crisis is not over and will cause repercussions for years to come. Now, of course, he's undercutting the severity of it, but he's he's still, even the, the top bankers, even people like Jamie Dimon, who is being deposed in the Epstein case right now, I want to add that in there um is is saying and acknowledging look this is a contagion that isn't going to end anytime soon and there's going to be years to come of this uh what's your take on these statements and the continued contagion we're seeing in banks throughout the world well i think you know and i'm not a huge fan of, of jamie diamond right i mean there's a reason why he's being deposed right but yeah. he's the the head of the largest bank in north america so so people listen to him when he says that we're basically at the beginning. Uh, you know, if, if you read that article, how does he how does he sign off? He said, I'm a red blooded patriot, capitalist, blah, blah, blah. It's like mm, you know, some of your policies don't really show that, buddy. Yeah. It's like you are globalist to the core. Yeah. How's um, that fractional reserve banking in any way conservative? But anyway, no, it's, it's not. So this is the problem. You know, what he's what he's alluding to is this started a couple years ago, right? During March of 2020, the Federal Reserve Regulation D took reserve requirements to zero. So banks don't have to have any money on on hand at, at all, right? Which is why Silicon Valley Bank went down. Whenever you have bank failures, there's one reason why they run out of money, right? Yeah. There's there's too much withdrawals happening they lose their investments and then when those are coupled at the same time it it creates a run on the banks right so this is what happened with silicon valley bank with signature bank with silvergate bank spread across the the pond to to europe right and you've got credit swiss so credit swiss gets a little bit squirrelier right and this is going to address jamie diamond's statement so so credit swiss is not silicon valley bank Silicon Valley Bank had $173 billion in checking accounts. Credit Suisse has $1.3 trillion. Mm-hmm. trillion. It's like eight times the size. 
So they also have trillions of dollars in assets. So the total, they're about, about $3.9 trillion worth of assets. So they, but this contagion was spreading. If they fail, the, all of the banks in Europe fail, right? It's this global banking collapse because they're just really big. Well, UBS didn't want that, obviously, because they don't want the contagion to spread to them, Deutsche Bank and others. So, so what did they do? They bought Credit Suisse. For $3.8 billion, $3.9 billion, somewhere in that range. It's like, okay, I'm thinking here, I'm a business guy, a good one, but I think I want to hire these negotiators. You know, the, I'm making a facetious comment because they just got $1.3 trillion of checking and savings accounts for $3.9 billion. It's a deal of the century. Yeah. Or do I want to fire them because it's like the worst investment ever? Well, Turns out the very next day, the Bank of International Settlement said, eh, so uh, by the way, uh, Credit Suisse has like $39 trillion of derivatives debt. It's like, okay, if if I ever invest in anything, I would not even pay a penny for debt, right? Yeah. You you buy something because it's an asset. They spent, they didn't just spend a penny. They spent $3.9 billion to buy $39 trillion of the debt. If I were a UBS shareholder, I would be so ticked right now. It's like, you did what? But they had to stop the contagion. Well, they didn't stop it soon enough because now it's spreading to Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank has $47 trillion worth of derivatives debt. So, so this is what Jamie, Jamie Dimon is referring to. There's no capital in banks they, they across the board fdic is underinsured and banks have zero percent reserve requirement which means they're capital stressed and in that article he's basically blaming the regulators it's like how about the how about the ceos of these banks that had you know malinvestment and just didn't do stuff right but the regulators are to cause too because the you know zero percent reserve requirement they weren't doing their jobs as as the custodian safeguards of people's right. assets so everybody's to blame it's like not that somebody gets a free pass here but what he's concerned about is now overreach from the regulators putting all kinds of rules and regulations and restrictions on us which is all going to be part of the central bank digital currency that's breathing down our neck because they're going to use this contagion to say, hey, look, everybody, don't you want, and this is going to sound stupid, don't you want a government-run bank who's actually promised to cut you off from buying or selling if, the, you, if your digital social profile doesn't match up with what they want? That's a hard marketing gig. That's a hard message, bad PR, right? Yeah. Who would want that? Well, people who are afraid that their money is not even going to be in the banks anymore. That's who would want it. So, well, and then people that are desperate that they feel like they, you know, if there's a supply chain crisis an energy crisis, which all seems manufactured at this point, um, where else are you going to go? Well, I want my food rations, which my carbon credits allow me, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Tyranny comes under the guise of convenience. And I wanted to point out that uh, the FDIC is insured for, and we did the math on this here at world alternative media, 0.666%, 0 0.666%. Mm. Interesting number I wanted to throw out there. But, you know, after UBS bought Credit Suisse, they've also been facing a, a huge contagion risk. A study done uh, out of Stanford University recently showed 186 banks worldwide are facing similar contagion risk to SVB. And, you know, when we are seeing this heat up and bankers are acknowledging that it's happening, they're not going all the way on it, of course, because they don't want to spread 
widespread FUD that's going to lead a bunch of people to withdraw money from JP Morgan or Bank of America, which would be catastrophic, of course, and it likely will happen eventually. But with that said, you mentioned the cashless society here, and that is, it seems like the most obvious move when we see the banking crisis, we see you know, the, the de-dollarization and the move to the Chinese, you know, brick system. Um, I wanted to bring up another story here uh, that regards the cash society, as we see um, out of Cointelegraph.com, European Banking Federation shares its vision of a digital euro. They wanted a wrapped CBDC and a bunch of bank tokens. And I find it interesting. This comes a week and a half after Christine Lagarde was pranked on video by a Zelensky impersonator. And it was actually a, a Russian troll from a, uh, a radio show. And on video, she acknowledges, yes, the, the central bank digital currencies will be to some degree about control. Um, we're seeing the Fed now, um, you know, get rolled out in the United States. Russia is rolling out a digital ruble this month. And, you know, it seems like there's no country really in the world that isn't in one way or another rolling out the CBDC. How is that going to play into, you know, maybe a basket of currency type situation like BRICS, where they just create one currency based on all of these digitally? How, how do you think that could play out? So here's where the same people that are bringing this solution are the same ones that have broke the system. Yeah. Right. So they're going to win either way in their own minds. I don't think that they ultimately will. I think that that people are going to wake up and they're going to say, what, this isn't what we thought it was. The mo worst case of buyer's remorse ever. When people realize their spyware in their bank account, they have the ability to cut them off from buying or selling. If their carbon footprint is too big, you know, no more energy, no more air conditioning, no more gas. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, right? So, so here's where they're not ready quite yet for all these ma major bank failures. They weren't ready for Credit, Credit Suisse to come down, even though I think they want them to. But the, the Fed Now app that you just referenced, what when the Fed announced that the Board of Governors on March 15th, what did they say? They said it's going to be released in July, right? But we're actually releasing it for beta testing with a few big financial institutions to roll it out to their clients in the first week in April. So now, right? It was like now. And then they were begging in there to actually have smaller intermediary banks and smaller financial institutions to start getting their clients involved, go to their website and get this thing rocking and rolling, right? So, so they want complete compliance. But what is the FedNow app? It's the conduit. It's the tunnel from you and your money to the CBDC digital repository mm -hmm. of the credits and debits matched to your digital social profile, your spending habits, everything about you, your mirror image to the world. Because if you want to control somebody, this is where Christine Lagarde is right. She basically admitted to it, right? Yeah. If you want to control somebody, you control what they buy and sell. Mm -hmm. Then you control that person. This is what this is all about. It's not about fixing the system, but they're not quite ready for it because not all the, the tunnels, the conduits, the system isn't quite ready. But here in America, it'll be ready on, in July. That yeah. was the last missing component piece. The, the United Kingdom said theirs is going to be ready by 2025 at the latest. Well, that's not that far down the road. Other countries are way ahead of the United Kingdom, right? So, so you've got this system being established. But who in their right mind is going to say, yeah, government-run bank that's digital, that has the ability to cut you off from buying or selling, sounds like a good plan. People who are in crisis mode, who are operated by fear. So you dismantle their faith in the banking system, for one. 
Number two, you got to kick the big kid out of the sandbox, sandbox, which is the U.S. dollar. They're doing a really good job at that. Over the weekend, Brazil and China cut, you know, a bilateral trade agreement says, hey, Brazil, and there's no more U.S. dollars. We're going to pay for stuff in, in yuan. Okay. Then on Fox News last week, Monica Crowley, former deputy treasury secretary, had this big expose. She was actually talking about what you and I talk about. It's like, what are, is she watching the show? I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah, we did a report on her. She not- warned of an economic implosion that cannot be maintained. It, it was a pretty yeah. big statement from a former uh, treasury official. Comparing it to Weimar Republic Germany hyperinflation, where she was talking about Iran, Saudi Arabia and Russia having a trilateral trade agreement. It's like Iran. It's the first time I've heard them, their name mentioned in the BRICS consortium, right? Then you, you mentioned Mexico going in. So all of these are pegs being pulled out of the petrodollar system, just nails in the coffin. See, when you have that and you dismantle demand for the U.S. dollar, we're going to be forced to print our way into inflationary spiral with no basically tangible backing with no built-in demand for our currency, then this is this is a problem. And this is where the BRICS nations are fighting a brilliant economic warfare yeah. battle. Well, I mean, I hate seems, to say it, but they are. It, it does seem as though it was planned long ago. I mean, China was heavily propped up economically by the United States in the 1970s. A trilateral commission has been, uh, you know, very helpful to China over the years. Uh, propping them up as a monopoly for trade, for example. And so when I see all this, I, I feel like either we're dealing with the stupidest people in the world in the United States, and it's a coincidence that all this just happens to be happening, or it's manufactured because the U.S. hegemony si- system knows that it is it is due to collapse. It cannot sustain itself for much longer. Well, what better than having something even more tyrannical than the already tyrannical system to replace it? And you know, with 15-minute cities that are being rolled out everywhere, and then on top of that, uh, and and they're actually written into law. And then you have to look at you know Canada and the United Kingdom. A lot of the banks in those places have already integrated carbon credit scores into banking, uh, into bank accounts, into the banking apps. Now they're not mandatory yet, but that is a very concerning thing to a lot of people as how that could relate to a cashless system and what you will and will not be allowed to do. But at the same time, you know, I wanted to ask you, I get your thoughts on something. Um, a lot of people have been mentioning lately, you know, Russia, it, despite all the sanctions, Russia has been doing extraordinarily well versus the United States. Christine Lagarde in the same prank video that got played on her with the Zelensky impersonator acknowledged that the central bank in Russia is doing essentially genius work versus what, you know, Europe is doing versus what uh, the United States is doing. Why is Russia doing so well in the midst of all of this economic turmoil in comparison anyway? They have their own crises, but in comparison to the Western empire. Well, a because they're not playing fair. I mean, seriously, they're they control the the basically the oil and the gas to to Eastern and Western Europe, mm-hmm. and to a lot of part of of the Central Asian corridor, right? So, so what are they saying? It's like, well, unless you all want to freeze during the winter, you, you have to pay for your your oil and gas with rubles. Right. Just getting rid of the, the the U.S. dollar, right? That's building them up, and here's where. Even, okay, to take take one step sideways, part of the BRICS plan is to be the world's dominant power economically, militarily, politically, right? Mm-hmm. right? So, 
So economically, pulling in the oil nations of the Middle East, the manufacturing power of, of China, the, the agricultural oil and gas of Russia, right? Okay, so you've got that. Aggregately, you know, when you add up all of the BRICS nations plus the, the periphery nations that are basically over 20 countries applying for membership to the BRICS, right? Like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, everything else that are buying gold by the ton, right? Mm -hmm. But now that you've got people, so you've got proposed military size. So you've got political, you've got economic, you've got military. So this is this is what they're doing. But now, what happened over the weekend with Japan? I mean, just last night, actually, late last yeah. night. It wasn't over the weekend. Um, they basically thumbed their nose at the G7 nations because they had signed this accord, you know, that that the G7 and Biden had put together and said, hey, Russia, Putin, <laughs> You, we're going to cap the price of your oil at $60 a barrel because what you're doing to Ukraine. Yeah. And, and this was in the beginning of December when this happened. And, and uh, I remember being on shows at the time and saying, if I were Putin, I just, I just tell the G7 nations, I'm not going to sell oil to you, which is what he did on December 28th. Mm -hmm. So, so now Japan, one of the G7 nations basically said, all right, and this is, to me, this is all political because where are they located geopolitically? You know, the South China Sea. Yeah. They've got this big, huge, massive China breathing down their neck. They don't want to tick them off. So they told Russia, it's like, all right, we'll buy oil from you, but we'll we'll violate the $60 threshold, right? So so just we just basically politically lost our best ally in Asia for decades. Yeah. Right. Because now. They're, they're afraid of China. Everybody in that region is afraid of China, just like everyone's afraid of Russia because what they can do economically. This is why I believe that they're being successful because they have the means of heating people's houses, of manufacturing. Like if they're if they're the main supplier of oil to Europe, how, how can Germany make cars, BMWs and Mercedes and everything else? And And I mean, so this is when you control those supply chain things you actually can start to control people. This is why I believe they're being successful. But one other thing, which is huge, they backed the ruble with gold, mm -hmm. which technically makes the lowly ruble horrible currency by a backwards country with, you know, basically stronger than the U.S. dollar. Because mm -hmm. the U.S. dollar, yeah, it's the U.S. dollar, right? But all we have is the full faith and credit in the United States backing it. What about when people lose faith and credit in the United States? Right. At least Russia has tangible backing to their currency. Yeah. Now, I'm not entirely sure if they uh, have as much in reserves as they're printing IOUs on gold. But with that said, it's definitely competitive, hugely competitive against the United States. And with Japan buying Russian oil, I mean, remember, when they're buying Russian oil, they're basically shaking hands with China in this BRICS agreement. Because uh, at, this, at the end of the day, Japan and China are one of the biggest historical enemies in the world. And they're still moving in this direction after Japan went on a diplomatic mission to Canada just a few months ago. And Trudeau, turned them away it turned them away with nothing when they were begging for ways to make a deal over over uh oil 
And of course, you, you can look no further than India as well. India has been a historical enemy of China, but they're hand in hand with in the BRICS agreement. And now they are trading with rupees with Malaysia and places like that. We're seeing a massive shift in the overall population of the BRICS countries at this point is far greater than the IMF countries. And people have to acknowledge that they basically already have one. Um, with that said, there's a lot of pushback. There is a lot of pushback. We're seeing in Germany referendums against the green agenda. We're seeing um, the Farmers Party uh, take a huge victory in the Netherlands. And in the United States, we're seeing a, a big movement towards gold um, in the face of a lot of this. And I wanted to mention one more article here, which is out of Natural News. It says, Tennessee passes bill authorizing state treasurer to buy, sell, and stockpile gold and silver. Now, you know, we're starting to see a lot more news stories like that as we see more heat put on the banking system, more heat put on the dollar as it stands, um, do you see or do you envision a lot more, um, not just people, but governments flocking to gold at the last second to try and protect themselves from what's what's about to happen? We're, we're already seeing countries do this, right? Like the BRICS nations wanting to back their BRICS currency with gold. Uh, we saw Russia do that early on. But you are seeing states like Wyoming, Utah, Oklahoma, that have already basically said that gold and silver, precious metals are legal tender, right? They're, they're fungible currency kind of deal. So it's like, hmm, interesting, because that changes the taxation of them when it's actually currency, yep. right? It's no longer an investment. It's just currency that you can use back and forth to buy and sell. So interesting, but I see other states then starting to do the same thing. I think there's state legislation in Texas looking towards that as well. Hasn't passed. Who knows if it will? Because Texas is an amazing freedom-loving state, but Austin, part of Texas, is not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll it's see. Big population there, and it has unfortunately way too much pull for a state that thinks exactly the opposite of Austin. Correct. Yeah, and and this is the case for most states, right? It's like the. The population centers tend to be very liberal where the policymakers are and the rest of the state has to abide by those rules. But but you're seeing different states now trying to look at the different taxation things and, and currency and the collapse of their banks. There's also states that are looking towards state chartered banks to get out of the federal system right. as well. So there's this trend. What's the trend towards accountability, freedom? protection of the people and this is basically the goal of the populist political movement globally right we're, we're seeing it where where people want their voice heard they want accountability they want transparency they want they they want hope you know when hope is deferred it makes a heart sick and people are sick and tired of of the government they're sick and tired of of the corrupt banks they're sick and tired of the debt of 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 interest rates that are have to go up to slow down inflation that they created right with one with one arm they're creating inflation the other hand they're saying oh we got to shut down this inflation thing it's like wait a second you guys created it yeah. that's why it's never going to go away until both hands decide to do the same thing then on the social side you've got a former president being indicted arraigned it's like what in the world is going on right now it's crazy but yet 
it's all happening at the same time. And when it's all yeah. happening at the same time, it seems coordinated, brother. It has to be. I mean, there's I, I'm not a coincidence theorist. At this point, it's pretty obvious what we're witnessing. And it's it's basically an empire, you know, in a way, metaphorically committing suicide. It's 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 an empire shooting itself in the head. And, you know, no one is this stupid to do all these things at the same time from climate policies on top of an oil shortage and the production cut recently on top of the oil shortage to, you know, um, the North. Stream pipeline to you know these these attacks on nitrogen and um, farmers and then they're talking about avian flu pandemic and they have to get rid of all these chickens. It's like my goodness, it doesn't it, it isn't rocket science to, to say hey, it's weird. All of this is happening at the same time. The demoralization of the public, uh, you know, it's a controversial issue. But when you see and Orwell said this, you know, in his books, he said when we get to a point where we have full demoralization of the public and our children and our families and no one respects the leaders anymore because they're looked at as clowns or jokes, then we will see the end of a civilization. And it appears that that is exactly what we are witnessing right now. But with that said, you know, there's solutions always. And, you know, people say, well, oh, well, it's scary. It's I don't want I don't want negative uh, news. And I always tell them if you are walking in uh, with a tribe 500 years ago, and a lion is tracing and tracking you. And you tell your tribes people, hey, there's a lion tracking and tracing you. The tribes people don't say, oh, that's negative. I don't want to hear about it. No, they have to take proactive measures in order to isolate the situation yeah. and prevail upon the situation. So with that said, uh, you provide a lot of great services. And I wanted you guys, you to talk a little bit about how, um, you know, you uh, you guys at, at your company, again, I urge people, kirkelliotphd.com slash wham, sign up. You get a call with them, get a bunch of free special reports get uh buy gold and silver etc um how you guys um are trying to get around this like great reset scenario this technocracy this cashless society we're witnessing and uh what services you could provide in that way well the first thing is you have to identify what's going on which which we've talked about on this entire show right and it, it's it's planned destruction of our of our digital assets of our paper assets of our us dollar and of our sovereignty mm -hmm. Right. So so how do you protect yourself against that? You have to get out of the system, so to speak. Right. We the best way to do that with your finances is to invest in tangible assets. Now, I'm talking about for now, not always. Right. If we had a president back like Reagan or Trump that had a policies of economic growth, you know, people working, creating jobs, lowering taxes, lowering interest rates. Boom. Stock market is one of the safest assets in the world. But we don't have that right now. We've got the opposite policies. So therefore, things that worked in the past don't work now. So we navigate through that with our clients. What works right now? Tangible assets like gold and silver, but I would choose silver because even in the world's most sluggish economy in over 40 years globally, right? Mm -hmm. Silver production or demand is still 60% of all production coming out of the mines, 60%. What happens if we had a great global economy? It would be off the charts. So when you have that, Low supply, high demand, supply chain disruptions, low inventory, COMEX depositories drying up, silver goes through the roof. So you look at it over the last six six months, silver has gone from 1797 to 25. That's like 37% increase in six months. Uh, we're on pace for a 74% growth year. It's incredible, right? But, look, but don't look at that as the trend. Look at in March of 2020, Josh, silver was 1191 announced today. It's 25. It's up well over 
in three years, that's averaging over 30% of your growth. Nobody is going to cry crocodile tears over that kind of return. Now, I know people are going to complain at me and say, well, I got in at 26 and now it's at 25. It's like, yeah, you're going to have two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back in any growth market. Mm-hmm. And, and the last one step back was a doozy. But but the trend, look at the trend. Look at what it's done over the last six months. Look what it's done over the last three years. Are you higher today than we were when it was 1191? Yep. And there's reasons for that because the world is collapsing. So Here's where we can utilize that as a portion of a person's portfolio to hedge themselves against a collapsing currency, against a collapsing stock market, against a bond market that's absolutely toast in a rising interest rate environment. So we can do that through IRAs, non-IRAs, take delivery of at home, store at depositories, so many options, but we can't say what's right for everybody because it's not a cookie cutter approach. That's why we have free consultations to go over with people, see what your fears are, what your dreams are, what your aspirations are, what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. And then my team will help you walk through that. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, again, this is all about getting prepared when people are, Oh, well, it went from 26 to 25 or 16 to 15 at the end of the day in 2002, when it was 200, the point is when we're dealing with um, gold and silver, it's wealth insurance. So versus the dollar versus the, the end of the dominance of the dollar versus inflation, what we're dealing with on a daily basis, when we go to a grocery store, gold and silver historically prevail. You said, you know, the last month, the last three years, whatever, might be i mean the last hundred the last 300 years compare it to the value of a currency at that time your buying power your purchasing power at that time and you realize then you compare it to the us dollar which has lost almost the entirety of its value since its inception this is why we need to get prepared today and you know there's solutions out there everyone and there's no reason to sit on our hands in a time where I know in the past, it would be like, okay, in the future, you're saying these things are going to happen. Well, it's happening now. And now is, is I mean, yesterday was the time to start preparing, but you, you still have some time to get on this today. And I urge people to please do that. Do all your own due diligence and check those links in the description. Of course, as I mentioned, Kirk Elliott, phd.com slash WAM, W-A-M. And there you will get a bunch of free special reports as you sign up. Uh, again, it's just all it takes is your email, first name, last same phone number um say what you want to get you know talk about and schedule a call today so anyway uh dr elliot i really appreciate you joining us as always today and going over all these crazy news stories i'm sure there'll be a thousand more next time we talk and uh i appreciate you coming on today you bet it's my pleasure we'll talk to you soon